back when I was front of house, um, I used to get paid 60 euros per shift and the male front of house would get paid 70 euros per shift. It was just a standard that any woman would get paid less than any other man, even though you were doing the exact same job. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's always been there and it's always bothering me. And I think that's why I sort of had to be tough. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to a wonderful woman called Lorena Corso. We continue to talk this week to women working in and around hospitality, and I'm thrilled to have Lorena on the show. She is one of the chefs at one of my absolute favourite places in Melbourne, Napier Quarter. Welcome, Lorena. So great to have you here. Oh, thank you, Dani. Thank you so much for having having me on your podcast. Lorena, I just love Napier Quarter. Can you talk to me a little bit about the kitchen philosophy there? Oh, Napier Quarter has always been one of those places where I've always loved to go and have a glass of wine and some snacks and just beautiful food that it goes really well with wine in a very relaxed setting. Um, so when the opportunity came up to uh, for a vacancy in the kitchen, I thought, well, that's the best place for me to apply. And I just love the fact that they use local produce, um, that is organic and they have the, the natural wines and there is a, a very much European feel to it. And I think after um, three and a half years in Australia, I probably missed that. So I think that's why I decided to apply for the job and luckily I got it. And Aline, the head chef of the kitchen, she's such an inspiring woman. She's so, you know, she's got a beautiful um, culinary background. She's worked at Lume beforehand and uh, in Brisbane before. And I I think we both kind of see food in the same way. And we have beautiful pastries as well. And also the the owners, uh, Danny Lewis and uh, Simon Benjamin, they're both really passionate about that little place and they try to make the most out of it. We open seven days a week from 9am till late. So Lorena, one of the things that Napier Quarter is loved for, including by me, is the sandwiches. Can you just tell me the thought that goes into putting together something that, you know, at first glance sounds so simple, a sandwich, but how much goes into it? Oh, I think a sandwich is just like something that everybody loves and at the same time, everybody does it as well. So, yeah, it is really hard to come up with something that is simple and and yet satisfying. And I think Napier Quarter wanted to just keep uh, flavours very simple. simple. And one of the most famous sandwiches, especially during the pandemic, was the uh, parma ham with mayo, mozzarella and some basil. You know, it's just very simple, very good bread from Becker Blue, very good parma ham, uh, or even the anchovy toast that is, it's not really a sandwich, but, you know, it does have a piece of rye bread, again, from Becker Blue, and some nice thick mayo, a boiled egg sliced up, and like a little green green sauce, we call it. It's more like a salsa verde and uh, some really nice anchovies that we get directly from uh, the north of Spain um, and a little slice of um, lemon on the side. And that's, that's really all you need. You need 
sweet, salty, and a little bit of bread. And I think that's it's a really good meal. It's not too heavy, and it's perfect to have it, um, you know, during the day, I guess. It's such a good one. Oh, my goodness. I feel like driving <laughs> over and having it immediately. It's, uh, I mean, Napier Quarter is a place that I bring people to, um, you know, from elsewhere because it's, to me, it's such a Melbourne place. It's got that, you know, open all day, just real produce focus. And I love the fact that, you know, the, the kitchen is um, dominated by women. I think it's just, it's really fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. a, it's just a super cool place. So, um, Lorena, I'd love you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your journey to date with a particular lens, you know, on yourself as a woman coming through the industry um, and travelling around quite a lot and luckily for us landing in Melbourne. So, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I started working in the hospitality industry when I was 18 um, back in Sicily where I'm from. And, and I was initially front of house. I used to just do seasonal work, you know, to save some money. And it was a really busy restaurant, seafood oriented. And I really enjoyed myself, you know, doing that job. I thought, I don't know, I think back then hospitality wasn't really seen as a proper job. It was more like, oh, you know, you just do that for the summer for some money. And then when you're an adult, you'll have a proper job. But I really fell in love with it from day one. And after a few years, I started to get more interest into the kitchen side of it. And But unfortunately, I guess because it is a male-nominated industry, they didn't let me work in the kitchen back in Sicily. Um, but anyway, I was still young and I wanted to travel. So I moved to the UK and I did a few odd jobs here and there until, you know, I was settled and then one day I thought, you know what, I want to give it another shot and see if I can actually find a job in the kitchen. My only problem was I wasn't kitchen trained. I never went to college, um, you know, to be a chef. So I just, I was relying on my knowledge, I guess, my nonna's knowledge of cooking. Um, so a friend of mine hooked me up with um, a chef who had an Indian restaurant in uh, Brighton in the UK. And, yeah, I just went for the interview. Uh, I didn't really know what to say because I never cooked Indian food before. But I really wanted to learn. And I think I wanted to start from somewhere that it was um, completely opposite from what I used to eat. And also, I wasn't ready to cook professionally Italian food. Um, so I got the job somehow uh, as a commie in the uh, starters and pastry section. And I never knew why I got the job because I didn't have any experience. And then after a month I was in the job, I asked the head chef, why did you give me the job? There were so many people like applying for the same position and most of them had more experience than me. And he said, well, you know, you showed so much passion and also you're Italian, so I assume you could make ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I guess. I kind of got there. I can make ice cream now, but I couldn't make it before. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, that's how I started. And yeah, I, I never stopped since then. I was 23 when I started, a little bit later on, I guess, than most chefs. Um, but yeah, I've just been working in um, restaurants, cafes, you know, across the UK. Then I moved to London and 
I worked in some really, really high pressure kitchens there, you know, 16 hours a day shift and all the craziness that goes behind. And and then um, I really wanted to move to Australia before I was too old to apply for the uh, working holiday visa. So I asked my partner if she wanted to join me and she said yes. And we've been here since October 2017. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I worked in a few nice restaurants here. And um, after the pandemic, like towards the end of the pandemic, I saw that Napier Quarter wanted a new chef. And so I applied for the job and I got the job. And, yeah, I'm in, enjoying it so much so far. It's so nice to be in an environment that is kind of, it's got a European feel to it, but it's very Melbourneian and it uses great Australian produce and like you said the kitchen is led by a female chef and that that always helps I guess <laughs> for any other female chefs. But so, you yeah. came in you came into the industry you know a little bit older than many people do and uh, you obviously you had a pretty clear sense of yourself and what you wanted you know as a woman in some of those really tough kitchens what kinds of things did you experience or see around you well I I think I've had a, a, a couple of you know incidents uh, not directly to me I guess uh, but around me and I always trying to look out for any other chefs that another female chef that I work with. And yes, there has been cases where I don't know, a male chef would say to another male chef, Oh, why why can't you do service and prep at the same time? You know, Lorena can do it, she's a woman. Or mm. you know, or even back when I was front of house, um, I used to get paid sixty euros per shift and the male front of house would get paid seventy euros per shift. It was just a standard that any woman would get paid less than any other men, even though you were doing the exact same job. And, you know, it's kind of like it's always been there and it's always bothering me. And I think that's why I sort of had to be tough and earn the respect from other men chefs and front of house as well. That's the only way, I guess, that I that I sort of try to battle, you know, this fight <laughs> since That's, I started. I can't believe that just as a woman you'd get paid automatically less than a man doing the same job. I mean, did you were you in a position to challenge that or was it just, you know, too ingrained? Well, I was always I mean, when I heard first heard it, I literally laughed. <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, why am I getting paid less? Since oh, this is how it is because men are stronger and they can carry more plates. Or they can- oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing too. It's just- I know, I know. It's ridiculous. I literally laughed. And then, I mean, luckily I was working with another female at the time, and I think a little way to get revenge was to go out for drinks after service and just get all the men to pay for us. <laughs> or like, okay, we go for dinner, you guys pay. We're not going to pay anything because you get paid more than we do, you okay. know. Or, yeah, just all these little things. But it didn't solve the problem, the real problem. But it kind of made it easier for us to cope, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and 
what I mean, it's often it's really hard to be the person that stands up for something or calls out behavior that you witness. How do yeah. you find that? Well, I think um, I'm pretty lucky in that respect. Oh, I mean, lucky and a little bit unlucky because I'm, I'm not scared of confrontation. And if I see there is something wrong, I always say something. I like to be honest and transparent to my colleagues and my bosses too. Um, and yes, that got me into troubles a few times, but I don't regret it. I think by being the way I am, I am what I am now. I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be in Melbourne working in a beautiful place if I wasn't that tough and, and, and stubborn and confrontational towards other people in the industry, I think. So that's the only way that I've been coping, really. It's just um, earn the respect, have a proper chat. And ov- obviously, if you always have meetings and you communicate and you tell what you feel, things can improve within, you know, that environment. And I think that's my advice to any other female chefs or front of house is to just trying to communicate as much as possible and in the best way possible. And if you can change the environment where you work, and if everybody does that, then we can all change eventually. And, you know, we're not going to have the issue of being paid less or being treated like we're not good enough and and so on. What do you think it is in you that uh, that makes you unafraid of confrontation? Um, I think, I don't know, in my family, like I've always been working in a way. Like my dad used to sell shoes and he used to let me go with him during the summer and, and work, you know, help him. And I think I've always been exposed to talking to people that are not within my family. And and I've always been quite um, straightforward as a person. I guess I got that from my grandfather. And, yeah, I've just, I think I'm, I'm just lucky that my family taught me to stand up for myself and, and to be strong. I didn't want to end up being a housewife like many women are well not anymore really but back 20 years ago 25 years ago you know all the nonas were just nonas sitting at home cooking all day and cleaning the house which is great but at the same time I thought I really want to do something with my life apart from also being at home and cooking and cleaning so um, I think that's it's just my background I guess and the environment where I grew up in yeah. Mm. And you said that, you know, sometimes your um, ability to have those t- difficult conversations has got you into trouble. I mean, what kinds of things are you talking about there? Oh, you know, it's, it's happened before in the past where I'd be on a higher position than uh, other male chefs and if you confront them, they just don't really appreciate uh, the fact that a female chef is above them. Um, I often go off a jobs a higher position and then you go into the job and you see there's another guy that has been working there for longer and maybe he wanted that position but they gave it to me instead and I think it's just envy and, and jealousy I guess and they just take it on me rather than looking at the bigger picture 
And I don't think I treat people like, oh, you know, I'm the sous chef, you're the CDP, so you just shut up and listen to me. I just try to, I always try to teach them and to guide them and help them and even take advice from them. Because at the end of the day, if there's not teamwork in a kitchen, the kitchen doesn't run smoothly. So I think it's just the whole conception of men is better, so men should have, you know, a higher position, a higher pay and everything else. Um, but since I've been in Melbourne, I've not really had any troubles, I guess, which is great. It's refreshing for me. Yeah. So do you think the scene in Australia, as you've experienced it, is, is a, a little bit more progressed in that sense than the UK scene? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially from London. I think because London is such a big city and there's so much competition that it puts people under pressure, but also the hours are so long. You know, you start work 8 a.m., you finish midnight. You don't get much sleep. You don't get much time to socialise. And I think people often are so angry in kitchens because there's no time for them to have a life. Um, but since I've been in Melbourne, I noticed that, yes, some places they you still work many, many hours, but it's not as bad as it was in London for me. So you do get a bit more of a life. And I think that really helps everyone um, to just deal better in the kitchen and be kinder and just be more reasonable. So, yeah, I think That's, it is more yeah. progressive in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that about work-life balance and how directly it can impact the relationships that people have in the kitchen. Um, but And it's really good to hear that you think things are better overall in Australia than they are in some other places around the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think that we're at a particularly promising place in the Australian hospitality industry as regards balance and respectful relationships? Well, yeah, definitely. Like I've, you know, I've been here since 2017 and I haven't left because I feel like it's a better quality of life overall. And my job is such a big part of, of me that if I wasn't happy with the industry here, I wouldn't still be here, I guess. And the pay is obviously much better and there's more free time. And I think gaining that social life that I missed for a few years back in the UK, I think has really helped me to almost like find new passions even within the industry. So now I have more time to discover wines and travel to wineries and just travel across Australia and that's really important for me Mm. Um, so yeah absolutely it's so much better here I mean there's still work to do but I think we are definitely heading towards the right direction yeah well, we've definitely all got to love travelling in Australia at the moment because we're not going anywhere else. Um, but it does bring me to talk to you, Lorena, about this project that you've started recently with Ilanit Bard, who we've also had on the podcast. Can you tell me about the Thick Accents project? Yeah, so um, I think we both uh, were missing having those long lunches uh, with friends and family. Because um, ha- during those five or six hours every week, I remember just 
having a really good time with my family and my friends and forget about all the problems for at least once a week. Uh, and, and it really brings people together because everybody feels at ease and there is good food and good wine. Um, and so we both thought, why don't we just start a, a project? And she had this name, Thick Accents, and I said, yeah, it's a great name. Let's find a venue, let's find a place, and we, we're just going to start with me um, as a you know, Sicilian-born chef, and we can have a Sicilian-inspired menu. So we um, connected with some um, wineries in the uh, Macedon Ranges area, and, and then we came across Lions Wheel Estate, which is just off Lansfield, and uh, we met Renata, and she's such a great woman. She's got so much passion, and she's so well-organized, and the venue, the winery there, the cellar door, is so beautiful. There's such a nice view. We went from zero to 100 in a very short time, um, as soon as we found the venue, um, I've been working on the menu. We don't, we're not trying to do anything fancy. We just want to make people feel welcomed and they can all have a chat and they get to know each other, forget the, any problems that happen during the week and just enjoy themselves. Well, I, I love this idea of a lunch where it's just all about being together and enjoying. But I, I th- there seems to be another part of the project, which um, it, it's this thick accent project, and it's also about celebrating and, and representing migrant women in hospitality. So I know that when Ilanit told me about it, she was talking about you know that there's the migrant women are the ones so often that are cooking, washing, hosting, serving, pouring, brewing, fermenting, foraging, growing, prepping. You know, all around in kitchens and and restaurants all around the country. But um, but there's just this sense that they're underrepresented as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, everywhere I work, the kitchen is made from at least eighty percent from foreigners. And and yes, it's true that they, they are underrepresented. I think it's because they, they're a little bit shy to really talk because they are aware that they do have an accent. And sometimes, you know, when you have an accent, you, I guess, a little bit more afraid to talk to people because you're scared they're not going to understand you and they're going to ask you, sorry, said that again. I didn't get that. Can you repeat? And I think after years and years of hearing that, people do shy away from trying to, you know, be there and be showcased. And I think we just want to give a voice to especially the women, the migrant women uh, in hospitality here in um, in Melbourne. And thick accents, it really represents exactly what we're trying to represent. Because I know I have a thick accent. Ilanit knows she has a thick accent. But it's not going to stop us from doing what we really want to do. So, Yeah. <laughs> Great. Do, have you felt that? Have you felt um, nervous about speaking up because you don't have um, an Aussie accent? Uh, well, when I first got here, some people were telling me that my accent is so British and they couldn't really understand me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm honor to have a British accent when you know I lived in UK for so long so there's kind of good to hear but at the same time 
when I'm tired, I'll probably sound very Italian. You know, I can't always keep up, basically. And I think that's it's, it's for everyone else that is speaking a second language. And then, you know, you often come across as rude uh, because, you, you know, you think in your mother tongue and then you say it in a different language. And I don't know, things get lost in translation a lot of times. But I just, you know, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't really stop people from expressing themselves. I know it's easy to say, um, but it really shouldn't. And I think you, one of the things that I was told when I first moved to the UK was don't worry about what you say, just say it, because eventually you'll get there. So, and if people really care about you, they will stay there and listen to you. And if they don't, then it's not worthwhile. So, mm. yeah, that's that's how uh, I cope, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I love this idea of um, embracing the thick accents and really building a, a collective and a series of events around it. It's like, yeah, it's just another way that we all need to take one another for who we are. And, um, yeah, we sh- it's like whatever it is that you're representing or, you know, a a Sicilian chef who cooked for a long time in the UK and now is cooking in Melbourne. It's like, yeah, let's let's let you own it. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Great. Well, I love it, Lorena. It's really been fantastic to get your perspective. Um, I think it's really exciting what you're doing. And uh, so this lunch um, at Lions Will Estate, uh, Saturday the 3rd of April, we'll put a link um some more information in the show notes so that anybody who wants to join you can snare a ticket and and celebrate the thick accents with you absolutely yeah uh there won't be many tickets available only 20 tickets just because it's our first lunch we don't want to you know get too big and kind of make too many mistakes so we're just we're gonna start small and then hopefully with your support, we can uh, grow bigger and bigger in the future. Brilliant. And, um, yeah, as well as uh, these beautiful Thick Accents events, uh, see you at Napier Quarter, and it's always hard to not have the anchovy and egg on toast because it's so amazing, but so I do also <laughs> try to branch out and try other things. So, yeah, yeah thanks for, yeah, thanks for everything that you're doing, Lorena, and thanks for oh. having a chat to us today on Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is-